This is Pretty Little Grown Men, the debut episode of a new Pretty Little Liars podcast. We are your hosts. I'm David Greenwald. And I am Dom Nicola. We will be here every week bringing you recaps and quotes and questions from straight from Rosewood, our mm. favorite our favorite town in uh, I guess is in New England maybe the Eastern Seaboard <laughs> somewhere. So uh, today we're talking about season five, episode three. The episode is called "Surfing the Aftershocks" because there are earthquakes on the East Coast and also surfing. <laughs> yeah. So, Dom, what did you think of this episode? Um, it, I think it finally reached a a calmer pace after the past couple episodes, which just felt like uh, just felt pretty chaotic and felt kind of uh, scattered all over the place. Um, there's a lot more one-on-one conversations, a lot more confrontations, as we had talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it felt like things were calming down a little bit, trying to find uh, some sort of um, uh, some sort of calm after uh, the storm of the past couple episodes. There was one thing that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, which is that in episode one and two of the season, there is no tag at the end. There's no usually we see a you know putting something in the fire or pouring a glass of wine or whatever it is A does in his or her hoodie. In, in the last two episodes, we had people die. So I took that to mean the show is telling us, well, these could be, we're not going to show you A because we're showing you these dead bodies of people who have been involved and who may have been A at one point in time, um, whether it's Mrs. De Laurentiis or, uh, or Shauna. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I... Yes, I I agree with that. I, I I do wonder if if like like anything, it's just a just another series of, of red herrings, um, uh, which you know. Um, yeah, I I agree. I don't know. I I, didn't really... I think the show absolutely has given us so many just one red herring after another. I think Ezra in season four being the biggest of all. Um, yeah, and and now of course. Uh, Spencer's dad, uh, Mr. Hastings. Um, well, so let's let's get to that. Let's let's okay. do a, let's do our recap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this episode a lot. I thought there was a really nice moment in the beginning when Allie is sitting in her bedroom and the light is going bright and then time, dark. And you get the, yeah, you get the sense of time is <laughs> passing. I thought that was a, a nice artsy little indie film device for Pretty Little Liars. Um, but so yeah, like you said, we we saw a lot of one on one confrontations in this episode Mm -hmm. it was very much like people talking to each other and figuring out where they stand um you know we see Allie in the beginning we we don't see the funeral of mrs de laurentis which i thought was interesting Mm -hmm. we don't see who might have shown up it seems like it went by without incident so we don't know if her killer was there uh if someone you know someone like mona someone questionable was there why why didn't we see the the funeral i mean there was the there was the question: Will anyone show up to your funeral? That was, or will anyone show up to your mom's funeral? That was asked at the beginning, and it seems like that, that seems like a really strange question to ask. I mean, I you know, uh, but um, we don't see the funeral, and that's, I mean, is that just is that looking too hard at the situation that that we didn't see that kind of um, possibly very poignant situation, but. Yeah, I thought I thought that was very odd, and maybe they didn't show it because they wanted us to see how alone Allie feels in her room 
and that was enough to show us the grief. Mm. Um, and there's also the question of whether Mrs. De Laurentiis, you know, how she was involved with Allison's quote-unquote death in the first place, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, so obviously she has mixed feelings going in to see this funeral. I don't know why the show didn't show it to us, and I would only assume it's because it wanted to move on to um, more one-on-one -on -one dialogue situations instead of another big group scene, uh, which, of course, we've seen so much of on the show. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for that. If anyone out there is listening and thinks they know why we didn't see Mrs. D's funeral, um, you know, maybe that will come to light in a future episode. You should send us a text. Yeah, send us, send us a text. Sign your name <laughs> so we know who you are. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot, a lot going on in this episode. We see... Um, you know, the liars at school talking about who their potential enemies are now that A is gone, A being Shauna. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about Mona. They talk about Noel Khan, who we knew was with Allie in New York, but we have not seen uh, back at Rosewood yet. Mm -hmm. And the liars, I don't believe... I think they see him in New York because you see him after Ezra gets shot. I think yeah. they see him. But you don't know that he was helping Allie and helping... Um, CC mm -hmm. get out of the country. Yeah. So he's he's a wild card to me right now, as yeah. is, as is CC. And I think something happens at the end of the episode uh, with where we can come back mm -hmm. to her. Uh, we did see uh, Mona passing around a get well card for Mr. Fitz, which, uh, <laughs> which I thought. <laughs> and then, do you remember that get well card? It was like it said get well soon. The soon was very poorly placed, like it was designed in a hurry. And then there was a. Uh, uh, a bulldog with like a one of those like uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Does the, he have a party hat on? No, no. It was a a like a water like a hot water bottle. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure what to make of that. That was that's an interesting power dynamic to me because Mona seemed to be under duress from Fitz in the last couple seasons, mm -hmm. and we saw them interacting in a really high intensity way. And she appeared to be working for him. Yeah. Knowing Mona, Mona doesn't seem to work for anyone. And she's much less of a pushover than she may have appeared, mm -hmm. uh, especially in talking about breaking up with Mike because, you know, because of something Ezra did or, or whatever. I heard Mike broken up. They broke up in last season, oh. but now they're hanging out again. Yeah. Because uh, maybe she actually does like him, but who knows? Who knows what Mona? Right, and the, Mike was being all weird about that music that, uh... Remember in the last episode when... The violin? Our, yeah, our the, violin the violin music, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, whatever, I guess maybe, I guess maybe that was my music, I don't know. Like, right. Yeah, that, that seemed like a sketchy, a sketchy moment to me, <laughs> for sure. You know, I think, I think the show does throw in these things, though, sometimes that are just random things, or have nothing to do with the central mystery, and it doesn't it doesn't ever come back to them. Right. And I think that's going to be one of those things where it's just like just kind of a weird thing for you mm -hmm. to think about and then move on. Yeah. Um, but Arya, Arya does seem to be uh, uh, at the beginning of the episode, especially, and, and I guess maybe uh, Mrs. De Laurentiis's death um, sort of shocked her into a better head state. But she does seem to be dealing much better with uh, murdering somebody. Yes. Um, last episode, she seemed to be practically catatonic half the time, and now she seems to be okay with it. She seems to be getting a little bit better, you know, sort of reconciling herself with what she's done, um, which, you know, good for her. It took, didn't take her that long. Yeah, she was, she was very... I actually really enjoyed saying some serious 
freaked out acting from her <laughs> in, in episode two and having to deal with, with the ramifications of, you know, killing a person who went to your, went to your high school even though they just shot your lover or, or ex-lover. You know, that's a pretty intense thing for a, a teenager to have to deal with. So, I you know, I thought they portrayed it as, as reasonably mm-hmm. as they could have. Um, and so, so then uh, she goes and see, she sees Fitz. We learn that Fitz is back in town, and she goes and see, she sees him um, to basically, uh, well, first to just see how he's doing and then doesn't tell him about, about the murder and then eventually goes back and tells him and confesses to him that, uh, that uh, she killed Shauna. Right. Um, very poorly explains it to him. <laughs> yeah, that was such a sloppy explanation. <laughs> she says, well, I killed her, you know, just because it had to be done, basically, not saying, you know, she walked in on us and she had a gun and she's going to kill everybody, yeah. you know, which would have been, like, the nice thing to say. <laughs> but then, you know, Ezra, he's being painted in the romantic light again. Mm-hmm. He's been cleared of the sins of season four. And now he, uh, he says, how can I help? Mm-hmm. Because he sees, he just wants her back. And I think yeah. it's a... An interesting pivot, and I don't like it, that he is now the romantic hero once again. Because I think his relationship with Arya, you know, we've, we've discussed this prior to this podcast, that the show has a major problem with adult men and teen girls yeah. and connecting them over and over and over with no real sense that this is a totally disgusting thing for the show to be promoting and to be doing. Which, you know, uh, Ren has been out of the picture for a long time, and they, they always bring him up now and then. Um, and we haven't seen him in quite a while, and he's, I guess, in London now. Allegedly in Alleged, London. Allegedly in London. And it, it seems like here's another opportunity to possibly um, take a character who has had, who has had one of, another one of those taboo teenage relationships and maybe, you know, th- prove, prove that this is not something that the show actually condones. You know, maybe Ren, for a while it seems he was like a villain, but then he got pushed to the to the fringes again, and it's like, you know, maybe there's another chance that here's, here's a character where, you know, that relationship could be, um, uh, proved to be disgusting, because now that, now that Fitz is a hero again, you know, that, that hope is, is totally dashed. Yeah. And you know, I didn't, I didn't really believe it when you see at the end of the of season four where he's like, "Well, I really was just writing this book," and you know, <laughs> you know, who would, who would, even if you were writing a true crime novel, you would set up hidden cameras all over the city. You would like <laughs> go down into your secret cabin in the woods to watch people on surveillance stuff. Like that's not how journalism works. <laughs> that's not how. That's not how investigative. You know, that's not how true crime happens you know <laughs> so I, that is like way i guess i guess what, what what that doesn't take into account is you know here's this rich guy pretending to be a poor guy and so he does have access yeah. to all these all these resources mm-hmm. you know um to have all his equipment and tape everything and blah 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 and that's a really insane thing to think about yeah. that he was doing that but you know that's not someone who if i'm aria that's not someone who i would go back to and be like Oh yeah, you're not a psychopath. Also, you right. know, among the other psychopaths <laughs> that I have to deal with in my day, you're you're someone who could be a, who could be trustworthy. So I I think I do not think he's out of the clear. I do not think he's in the clear at all. I I think he's still a very questionable character. Now, was it ever was it ever um, uh, explained how uh, 
why Fitz became so obsessed with Allison's um, mystery in the first place? Was it that when they first met, she he thought he thought she was this really fascinating person and you know fell in love with her, and then all this stuff happened, and so he became obsessed with it, or did he? in much the same way that he met Arya, positioned himself in order to meet Allison under certain circumstances at the bar that one time. Mm. Um, I mean, has that, has that been explained yet? I think everything we've seen has positioned their relationship as authentic. He met Allie, he was attracted to her, um, they dated before he found out, I guess, how young she was and her disappearance. Yeah. I would say he is in the position... Uh, of being the wronged lover who was just trying to track down this person who was enigmatic to him and who he had feelings for. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, he's been looking for her all this time and hadn't gotten any messages to her or hadn't made clear that he wanted to help her. You know, there are so many missing pieces there where he knew she was being pursued by A, assuming that he, in fact, is not A, and yet was not able to tell who... You know, obviously... I don't think A. I don't think Shauna is the A of the last two or three seasons of the show. Right. I think we've seen her help Allison pretty directly. There's the sequence where she gets kidnapped, which wasn't fully explained, and I think that that's the turning point where her mind gets changed, or she gets forced to do something that she doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't think at the beginning of season four she's the villain. Right. So for Ezra to say, oh. I knew it was her. Yeah. I think we're missing some... I think he was missing some evidence there, or he could still be in the running mm-hmm. for villain status. Um, okay, so that's Fitz, who had kind of an interesting episode, but we see a lot of Mona in this episode. We see a lot of Mona and Hannah in a flashback, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was great because Hannah realizes you know, that since Mona knew Allie was alive this whole time, that their entire friendship which was very meaningful to her, yeah. was, a, was a ruse. Mm-hmm. It was all fake. So that Mona could have her, her fake Allison. Right. Yeah. Which, which brings in a question, too, then, um, what Mona's ultimate goals are. Um, you know, I think we had previously, or you had mentioned earlier, that, uh, that Mona just wants to be famous. Which is is a is a strange motivation for for a character, I guess. I, yeah, I think we see her we see her psychosis coming into the picture because she's obviously a crazy person. <laughs> right. And, but when she is had the role of A, you know, she's in the black hoodie. No one knows who she is. Mm-hmm. She has one face at school, and she has another face in private where she's doing all these misdeeds. But she says to Allison in episode two that I don't have to hide anymore. Mm-hmm. So she's becoming more confident, and she wants to be seen. She wants to be known. Um, you know, Fitz gets shot, which puts her in a good position because he knows things about her. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's now in the position where she can be a little bolder and do things her own way and get this attention, which she obviously craves. She didn't like being—I um, don't remember her nickname—but nerdy Mona, loser Mona, loser Mona. She did not want. She does not want to be that anymore. And I think. That's something that the show is going to keep tugging at, especially over the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about about Hannah's realization that uh, that she was being manipulated all this time? Because obviously Hannah is in um, 
for someone that was so comically self-hating for such a long time. I mean, there's that flashback scene where uh, is presumably their their initial meeting between Hannah and and Mona, and they're talking about the the sort of uh, milk carton "Have you seen me?" poster that they're looking at. And uh, Mona asks a very um, ominous question, like, well, uh, well, what do you think you'd look like on a poster like that? Right. And Hannah... Terrified. Yeah. And Hannah says some sort of, like, ridiculous, like, oh, it would just be a, uh, uh, it would just be a, a blank, a blank box. Because, which is, which she is... She doesn't have the confidence. Yeah, which is stupid, but it's also, you know, it's just she hates herself so much. Um you know, and then and then when Hannah, towards the end of the episode, finally confronts Mona um, with her realization, she, uh, Mona then you know, sort of responds um, oh, with with sort of like you, you. This is the person that you wanted to be. Like I just helped you make this. You know, you, you have the confidence to be the person that you always wanted to be, essentially. And uh, Hannah doesn't really have any sort of um, rebuttal to that. Uh, and I think that that's probably true, you know, that, that, that Hannah is becoming, uh, the person that she always wanted to be anyway. And why, why would she, besides the fact that her life is just 10 times more complicated now, why would she in any way be angry that she is no longer this person who hated herself so incredibly deeply? Right. And I don't think she is. I think she's mad that she was manipulated by this person who purported to be her friend and then betrayed her, um, which, you know, was that Mona's intention from the very beginning? I, I think maybe, mm. you know, to try and cause this person pain because it was like causing Allie pain after she built her up into an Allison figure. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, I would love to have, on, a, on Vulture and some other websites, I've been seeing people interview um, psychiatrists about, you know, characters on, um, uh, what am I thinking of? On Orange is the New Black and on some of these other shows. Mm -hmm. And it would be so interesting to have a psychiatrist, you know, come in and evaluate some of the characters on this show, which has dealt so much with being institutionalized and, um, you know, obsession and insanity. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think, I think Hannah, at the end of the episode, you know, she goes to get her hair dyed a different color, and I think in season four, too, we saw her really coming into her own. I mean, she she had had a boyfriend, she gets over the breakup, you know, um, she... Starts reading Swedish mystery crime novels. Right. <laughs> you know, she she starts, you know, as, as Spencer kind of loses it, uh, Hannah comes in and starts to become stronger herself and, mm -hmm. and solve some of those mysteries. And I think we've seen it with every character on the show, The Four Liars, you know, each of them has faced struggles and really come out of it stronger, uh, which is, you know, one of the few kind of inspirational things mm -hmm. of the series is that they really have grown and they've learned a lot about themselves and about, you know, trusting their friends and who not to trust. And we still see them doing dumb shit every episode. Oh, yeah. But I do think we've seen them grow a lot as characters and I really enjoyed seeing Hannah you know, confront Mona, see their relationship for what it is, and move on from it. You know, now that you bring that up, there's, there is that moment in the car, um, which actually, like, now looking back sort of speaks volumes, is the, um, the conversation that Hannah and Emily have, 
between or about Hannah asking Emily about coming out and um, you know kind of uh, saying like D- did you always know um, right. sort of like did you always know that you were this person and and did you basically choose to reveal that part of you or did did you sort of like have to be that that this person sort of revealed to the world and um, I think you're probably right that that actually s- says a lot about what the ultimate journey that all these characters are on is um, finding their true selves and maybe you know it's through tragedy but um, you know I guess that's that's kind of life and you know, yeah, I mean, you know, usually it's something, you know, you go off to college and you have conversations in your dorm at three in the morning, mm-hmm. and that's how you kind of get a sense of who you are <laughs> and what you believe. You don't have to deal with, you know, your friend disappearing for two years right. and you, everybody's parents dying. But, you know, if, if that's what works for Pretty Little Liars, I, I think there's, you know, maturity lessons to be gleaned. Right, and maybe this is not the time to bring up bring this up, but I was like I was telling you the other day, I think this show is all about the true horror of growing up. That, like, growing up is actually a terrible, tragic, scary fucking thing. And, right. And they just happen to be experiencing it literally, but this is how they're, this is how they're growing up. That they, they, look, they look towards adulthood and they no longer see these safety nets anymore because the, the adults that are supposed to represent where they're headed in their lives are terrible, dysfunctional people. And right. and it's terrifying. So yeah, and, and we know, and this this takes us into uh, this takes us into the Hastings family, uh, who we haven't talked about yet today. But you know, we know all of the parents. Really, all of the parents have done bad things. Uh, Hannah's mom stole money. Mm. We know that uh, Spencer's parents. You know. There was her father is is super sketchy, and the show this this episode definitely paints him as the next suspect. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but all of the parents, you know, um, Arya's dad had something. Ha- you know, was a cheater and was blackmailed by Allison. So all of these parents, none of them, they are all trapped in their own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this show really doesn't have to be called Pretty Little Liars. It could be called Everyone's a Liar mm-hmm. because they're all complicit. They're all hiding something. And the liars see that, and they they have to turn toward each other, and they have to turn toward more lies because they don't trust their parents, they don't trust the police, and they've been given no reason to. Right. Which, yeah, as a as a theme of the series, is really fucking dark. Yeah. I mean, that's like a really you know the show basically has this very pessimistic worldview, which is that you should trust no one. Everyone is out to get you. You know, it's, <laughs> well, it's so dark. Well, there's that part. There's a, that part in this episode where uh, um, Allie says something like, "My mom took me to a lot of funerals because she wanted me to understand the fragility of life." Right. <laughs> like, it's like right. what the fuck? And this is this is this is her mom who, by the way, last season was sneaking up behind Spencer and showing up like a ghost, you know, <laughs> yeah. in Spencer's room, looking intensely scary. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's. It is a really dark show in that way, and the fact that it's able to pull off... The fact that they're teenagers, I think, insulates it a little bit from Mm -hmm. that, because they don't... I don't know. Somehow, they're able to still have witty banter and worry about their love lives and not be completely... They're shielded a little bit by being in high school versus having to go to their jobs and think about a mortgage 
and think about, you know, the futility of life, <laughs> you know, basically. Speaking about witty banter surrounded, uh, surrounding teenage kids who often think about the futility of life, uh, uh, what is up with Jason and then Toby, who, who we don't see this episode? They got some wicked James Vanderbeek hairdos going on. Yes. Like, is that the thing in Rosewood right now? Well, I, I can tell you that off-camera, um, the actor who plays Toby, uh, Keegan, uh, is growing his hair out for locks of love. <laughs> because I was very, you know, I actually, I asked this on Twitter, I was like, what happened to his hair? Why does he look like Jonathan Taylor Thomas? And, and the answer is that he's growing his hair out for a good cause. Oh, okay. But it, good for him. They, they both look very 1997. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very odd. <laughs> the 90s are back, man. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's the emo revival. Well, so let's talk about the Hastings a little bit. Spencer talks to her sister. She confronts her dad yeah. with this email that Mrs. De Laurentiis was going to send the night she died, mm-hmm. saying, I can't protect you anymore. We know that she and Mr. Hastings have had this strange connection. They've been meeting in private. We know she was on the board at Radley, which is presumably why... Uh, Mr. Hastings pulls out of a potential lawsuit against Radley mm. on Toby's behalf. Um, obviously, they have the cover-up of, uh, of Jason, mm. uh, their son. So we really don't know what's been going on between them. If there was some agreement to protect Spencer, who is still... We know she didn't do anything, but she's an alleged figure now yeah. in, the, uh, in the whoever is in Allison's grave murder. Mm-hmm. So we have all these swirling things, and we know there's a secret between Melissa and her father, which the mom doesn't know, and which Spencer becomes sort of privy to. She knows now there's a secret. Melissa says, should we tell her? Which is (laughs) such an insane thing for her to do, because you know that Spencer is not going to let that go. Yeah, yeah, that whole situation is is kind of goofy, and Melissa just seems... Melissa seems like the last person on earth who should ever be able to keep a secret, ever be trusted. Like, she is, uh, she seems just like, I don't even know. I, I, uh, personally, I, I dislike her character because there's just no redeeming qualities about her character. Right. Um, but on, on the surface of it, it's just, it seems like, um, they have to ship her away constantly because it's like you're gonna fuck this up if you stick around like and and then you just can imagine that like after spencer storms upstairs the dad's like this is exactly why we sent you to london like (laughs) right well and then it was the whole thing with her her faked pregnancy Mm -hmm. with her suddenly marrying ian who ends up getting killed off later yeah which is like and now she's back with ren who she had dumped because he made out with spencer so the premeditation of all those things and how much of that was part of this vast conspiratorial A situation that the liars are dealing with, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think the show likes to keep things relatively straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to build this whole X-Files situation with all these characters. But at the same time, we know that she hated Allie. She was there the night Allie disappeared with... Um, the group of the uh, the right. NAT club yeah. who are all dead now, mm-hmm. except for Jason, who was not there that night or who was, you know, mm-hmm. on drugs. So she's super questionable. What she's actually done and how she's involved, though, I don't think she kills, you know, Mrs. De Laurentiis. No. 
I think yeah. I think there's a lot of suspects for that, but I think the show is positioning it as uh, Mr. Hastings did it. And right. I think that would be a very reasonable thing to believe because Jason is taken out of contention in this episode. We learned that he was getting sober in Philadelphia at yeah. a uh, a group home where he ate a bunch of pizza. Yeah. So he's no longer he, he has he's no he has an alibi now. <laughs> a pizza alibi. Yeah, we we met. We spent a little bit more time with oh, uh, Leonard. Is Leonard his name? Oh, I didn't catch it. Oh yeah, he's he's a nice character. I wish I hope we get to see more of him. Um, but uh, yeah, but of course, um, positioning Mr. Hastings as Mrs. De Laurentiis's killer is is just too obvious. I mean, the show isn't exactly uh, opposed to obvious things, and like you said, it doesn't like to keep things too messy, but. This just seems like way too obvious. Like there's just there's just all the, all the signs are pointing to him. Right. What do you think Melissa's secret is? <sighs> that's no, that's a good question. Um, shit, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think the secret is that she. It's gonna be something stupid. Right. I, it's, I don't think it, it's I, not going to be anything really major. No. I mean. No offense to no offense to the show, but I don't think it's going to be that she killed someone. I don't think it's going to be. Do you think that it has to do with Radley? Do you think that? Um, oh, because so you know they had the the they they retconned Spencer's uh, pill addiction and yes. and so um, which you know and maybe this is a stretch, but then there's there's a history of of addiction of. Uh, Maybe even mental illness in the family. That's true. Which, in maybe some ways, uh, uh, was foreshadowing the fact that maybe Melissa, maybe Melissa was at Radley for a little while. Maybe Melissa was involved in Toby's mom's. Oh, that's a great connection. Yeah, that's a great connection. Yeah, I I think there could be a connection there, and maybe Mr. Hastings is protecting Melissa. Melissa. That's what I was thinking when that that email was actually maybe to Melissa. Oh, or to him about Melissa. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll see, but that could be, you know, because that was such an interesting sort of a stray plot line in season four of Toby trying to figure out who killed his mom and mm-hmm. or how his mom died and, you know, becoming really kind of centered on that yeah. as all of this other stuff was going on. It felt like a little bit distracting. Right, and Spencer's just kind of like, hey, get your head in the game. Right, you know? So if they brought that back in, I think everything goes back to Radley, and Mrs. D is connected to Radley. So I, I hope the show will tie up those loose ends and not treat this like a lost plot line where you jump into the new season and you forget, you know, and everything all stuff happens. everything <laughs> that you were super stressed about <laughs> in the previous season. Well, we got two more other seasons to figure all this out. Right. So we have a lot more to go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as this episode, I think we've covered a lot. We had a we had an Emily and Paige uh, face-off where we see Emily beginning to crumble a little bit in mm-hmm. her resolve in the breakup. Mm-hmm. She turns around. She says, you deserve the best of everything, <laughs> which which I thought was, you know, the worst the worst line of the show. <laughs> I don't think she would feel that way. Paige is also kind of, has, has not treated her well and has been, has not had her best interests in mind. No, no, and... Um... And also, you know, now there there is question. We can question Paige's motives because we're not sure if she's part of Mona's nerd squad or not. Right, the nerd squad. The nerd, 
The which, Power Rangers nerds. Boy. Which I think feeds into <laughs> our. Uh, it feeds into our new theory of Mona, which is that she wants all this attention and she wants to be the queen bee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the nerd squad, which seems like a really silly thing for the show <laughs> to put in, you know, this isn't Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, they're not banding together to fight some werewolf threat to Rosewood. Yeah. Uh, it's just some girl who's been, like, gone and kidnapped and tortured for two years. Why would she come back and be a threat to anyone? Right, like, that's a like ridiculous. It's yeah. kind of a ridiculous thing <laughs> for the show to position, but um, I mean, but even so, do you still think that Allie is on the level? Because it's just, it's just like she's back to being all kind of sketchy and weird, and right. you know, and 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 for being gone for so long, she, the people that she is now having um, having uh, interactions with, uh, she's being she's like going back to her old like, asshole-ish ways. The, the, she's being the same person that everyone hated that drove her away in the first place. Right. I mean, she's been gone for two years. She's been on the run. It doesn't seem like she's actually learned anything. Right. The people who she thought were her friends, including Shana, or Shana, turned on her. Mm-hmm. So where does that leave us? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think she's been gone a long time, and we've, she's probably seen a lot that we don't know about but she also seems legitimately scared and sad about her mom and a little bit lost in a way that seems strange for someone who was such an expert manipulator yeah. uh, when we met her. So I think that's something that will get explored this season as well. Um, I, you know, I am very interested in how they end up playing her character out the season because I think having her there is less interesting than having her gone because it just humanizes her. Mm-hmm. And so far that's what we've seen from her as a more human less manipulative character. Yeah, and, and she, she had a new dog, too. Which, where is the dog this episode? That's a great point. Pepe, do you think, Pepe, Pepe? Do you think the dog is a gift from A because the dog was going to discover Mrs. De Laurentiis in the ground? Oh. I think so. That's Oh, that's a good point. Oh. Yeah, yeah the, so a, a, set up the, a set up the whole, like, the shelter bringing the dog over. Or someone did. Yeah. But there's no A text about it. Right. Which is something you would expect. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was Mona, because Mona says, I don't have to hide anymore. Maybe she's not texting. Maybe she's just fucking shit up. <laughs> yeah. What was that dog? Was it Pepe? Pepe? It gets L- a really Lupe. silly name. I don't remember. But yeah, there was no dog in yeah. this episode. Not at the house during the funeral. You know, maybe they maybe they got rid of the dog, too. I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I guess you just assume that maybe the cops took the dog away? Right. Could be. Yeah, we'll find out in episode four if the dealer rent this dog <laughs> makes a return. But that otherwise that I think that's another PLL cliffhanger. <laughs> well so we've we've come through most of the episode. There was a new character, Sydney. Uh, Sydney Driscoll. Who we see getting some swimming advice from Emily and later Emily and Paige, which creates this neat little tense moment. Mm-hmm. Do we think she factors into the A situation or is she just a new character? I don't know. She seems a bit too prominently featured to be uh, a plot device to bring Paige and Emily closer together for the moment. I mean, granted, you know, we had to get we had to get Paige in there some somehow. Um, and if Paige is really, you know, part of this new Mona conspiracy, then there's no telling how far they'll go to set up these situations. Right. But, yeah. I, I would. I would be very. Very concerned about about Sydney's later or Sydney's role in the in the potential nerd squad. Mm-hmm. 
Because every character that it gets introduced on the show ends up being a villain yeah. or perceived as a villain oh at some my God, point. Yeah. So we'll see what trouble she gets into on the swim team. Yeah. Speaking of, of characters we haven't seen in a while, uh, is, is Hannah is Hannah's thing with Travis still happening? I think we're going to see Caleb come back to the show this season mm. because Ravenswood got canceled. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also he should be on this show because it's way better. Yeah. So I think the Travis thing is going to not happen and Hannah and Caleb will get back together. How that will happen, I don't know. I thought the way they broke up was pretty pretty sloppy and mm-hmm. Caleb was kind of a wiener about it and should have just been honest. Oh, he's a super wiener about it. <laughs> and I and I and I granted I've been watching Ravenswood, so I don't know where it was left as far as uh, Caleb's psychological profile. But the show has been having a distinct lack of computer hacking lately, so... Right. We've we got to get back in on that. Yeah. Well, that covers our recap. What do we think are the big questions going forward? I guess, who killed Mrs. De Laurentiis is one. Right. Um, what, what, uh, what the secret is, what the Hastings family secret is, would be another. But, you know, I'm interested in where Ren is. I'm interested in what Ezra does next. Right. He uses his resources to, to continue to track down everyone. Yeah, uh, what Toby was really doing in London. Because mm-hmm. um, that doesn't seem like he's being totally honest about that. No. Where he was at this episode, really? I mean, it seems like... I mean, granted, the, sh- the show does drop characters every once in a while for a few episodes and brings them back. But, you know, I don't know. He would have been at the funeral. Spencer, yeah, Spencer was going through some shit. So where where was he? You know, he's he just conveniently finds times to 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 go away for a while. If that was Cece at the end, that's oh, another question. Yeah, the end of the episode, Hannah's getting her hair done, and we see through the screen Mona walk up and observe, and then we see another person come up, and it's a blonde, and I think it's Cece. Mm-hmm. It's not Allison. No. So we saw Cece getting on a plane yeah. with a fake passport, mm-hmm. but apparently not. She's, everyone comes back to Rosewood. Right. As, as Fitz proved. Right. So she, is, in fact, is not Allison's friend. She's also a double agent. Yeah. Everyone is untrustworthy. <laughs> Trust show, no one. Trust no one. The show is such a disaster sometimes <laughs> with that stuff. You know, and that's, that's my concern with season five and six and seven coming up, is that we're going to see people switch loyalties so many times, and it's going to become like a James Bond movie, and it's just going to be like... Who are you? Why are you even doing this? And I think that's the big question, too, is for Mona, why? What's the end game? Exactly. Well, like, why is she, she doing this? Yeah. You know, is it really just... Um, is it as simple as uh, her feeling slighted by Allison her whole, essentially her whole life? Mm-hmm. Um, that feels kind of stupid. Yeah. Maybe, like, revenge or spite? That feels stupid. But I think, you know... I hope they develop this theme of her wanting to be seen and wanting to be the center of attention because I think that will make it feel like more of a long game and it will feel more true to whatever her her craziness is. Yeah. I think that gives it a stronger motivation. Mm-hmm. Well, let's wrap this podcast up. I think we're going to try a thing where at the end of every episode we will give a favorite quote and a favorite outfit. <laughs> yeah. My favorite quote on this episode uh, was Melissa. I think we can agree on this one. They're discussing the nature of blood. <laughs> and Melissa says, it can also be very slippery. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was very amusing and dark. 
and, and apt for the situation. I like that one too. Uh, so um, yeah, and as far as favorite outfit, I would have to go with uh, Spencer's sort of red striped sailor chic outfit that she wore on the day of their return back to school. Very classy. Yeah, she she was sort of leading the pack with it. Um, Aria Aria looks pretty good, uh, as Hillary mentioned earlier. Aria Aria looked pretty good, but she was dressed very un Aria like. It was it was nice to see her finally go back to wearing that uh, skull and rose T-shirt that she wore later in the episode because like that felt I was like ah that feels more at home with Arya. Right, she's been she's been going through some very very odd eccentric fashion choices so far this season, mm-hmm. which is you know I mean you you need to dress well if you're going to headbutt somebody with a rifle and <laughs> leave them for dead. I guess you need to be you know sharp for that occasion. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so way to go, way to go, Spencer! You win this week's award for for best dressed liar. Um, and these awards will go for dudes too. So you know, if Toby takes his shirt off in a future episode, okay. um, maybe he will win the best best outfit of the week crown. Hey, before we go, um, I was wondering in the last episode, uh, Toby Toby takes off his shirt because he's about to do it with Spencer. Yes. And yes, he does. <laughs> And you see that he has uh, a tattoo. Is that has that tattoo been explained before? Yes, we've seen the tattoo before. Okay. And it had to do with something, but that was a pivotal plot point because when Spencer right. when Spencer thinks Toby's dead, she sees the body on the ground and mm. she sees the tattoo. That's right. Okay. I just I just remember seeing that. And it did have to do with some other conspiracy thing, but we're now five seasons deep, and I can't remember. Yeah. But yes. Okay. That's a good continuity <clears throat> catch. Uh, thank you. Um, I wonder if I wonder if that's because uh, what's the actor's name? Keegan. Keegan. I wonder if he has that tattoo. That's actually a tattoo that he has. He probably does, and they had to explain it like Jack from Lost. Yeah. Everything is going to come back to Lost in this podcast because I'm not over it, <laughs> and I will never be over it. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's hope that I'm Arlene King does not uh, go the way of Mr. Lindelof. No, I don't think so. I have faith. Well, thank you for being with us on this first episode of Pretty Little Grown Men. Um, please tweet us, uh, tell your friends about this podcast, subscribe in iTunes, and we will be back next week with more... More grown men talking about Pretty Little Liars. Until next time. <laughs>